everyone. Welcome to another edition of Healthcare is Missing Link, a podcast where we help you, the listener, uncover those hidden things that are still in your health. I'm Dr. Mark Sherwood, your host today, and I get the distinct honor to have the guest, one of my friends, one of my brothers. I've got to know him over the course of years. Best-selling author, speaker, motivator extraordinaire, John Bevere. Should be no introduction, but I appreciate you being on with me today, John. Thank you. Dr. Mark, and that's the last time I'm going to say Dr. Mark because we're friends, but yeah. I do respect and I honor the a tremendous research you and Dr. Michelle have done for the body of Christ and for the United States at large. So I deeply respect what you've done. But Mark, it's an honor to be on with you. And especially when you and I share similar passions. Yeah. And so let's jump into this because I'm excited to see what comes out of this interview time. Well, people are really blessed. And let's kind of begin. I mean, people know who you are, but I kind of want to know, you know, what drove you originally to write books and become a speaker? Because you're very successful at that. Uh, okay, it was, you know, this will sound a little religious, but it was the Lord. Uh, and this is why it is such a true statement. My very worst subject in high school was English and creative writing and foreign languages. Uh, you think I'm joking. I'm not joking. My um, SAT score in the verbal, which is English, was 370. In all my travels, I have only met one human being that scored less than me in the English portion of the SAT. So uh, I really believe my English teachers used to pass me just so they wouldn't have to put up with me another year. <laughs> when we were given a two-page paper to write, Mark, it would take it would probably take a good two hours before I got past the first paragraph and half the pages were in the garbage pan. So um, in the summer of 1991, the spirit of God spoke to me. I was, I, I can close my eyes and see exactly where I was. I was at a, a construction site praying early in the morning and the Holy spirit said, son, I want you to write. And I remember laughing. I thought, okay, God, you have so many kids on the earth. Now you're getting us mixed up with one another. You, <laughs> you, don't, you don't want me writing. Talk to my English teacher. So I did nothing, nothing for 10 months. And 10 months later, two different women in two weeks from two different states came up and said the exact same words to me. They said, John Bevere, if you don't write what God's giving you to write, he'll give the messages to somebody else. And one day you'll have to give an account for it. So when the second woman said it from the state of Texas, two weeks after the first woman from Florida, the fear of God hit me. Yeah. <clears throat> Mark, I got a notebook piece of paper. Because remember, this is 91. We didn't have iPads. That's right. I got, no I got a notebook piece of paper. And I, I wrote on the top in bold letters, contract. And I wrote a contract with God. I said, I think you're making a huge mistake. You have much better writers. <laughs> so I can't write. I need grace. And I signed the contract. And now today, Mark, the books are in the tens of millions. They're in over 120 languages all over the world. And several of them are bestsellers, international bestsellers, including USA Today bestselling list. So, and Lisa's the New York Times bestseller. Yeah. I didn't make that list, but <laughs> anyway. Um, yet, yet. So, so nobody knows more than me where these books came from. Right. My name is on these books because I was just the first guy to get to read them. That's the way I see it. So I know it is truly the Holy Spirit that does it. And that's why it may sound like a religious statement, but it's really, really not. I know how bad I was. And there's no way people could read these books like this if it wasn't God doing it. 
See, I love that. That's so cool. Now, if you had to like name the 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 kind of the passion behind this 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 journey you're on, what would that be? What is that passion, John? So my uh, the passion that drives me, gets me up, gets me charged is Jesus's last statement was going to all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them what I've, uh, you know, uh, commanded you. <clears throat> Excuse me. We just had a prayer meeting at the office. And so um, that, that, that drives me. And, and I don't mean drives me in a bad way. I know we're, we're, we're we as human beings are to be led by the spirit. I'm definitely led by the spirit, but I have a passion that drives me to see every pastor, every leader in the world, get the revelation knowledge of God. We have given away over 37 million resources to pastors and leaders in 227 nations. That came 10 years ago this year, the spirit of God. I just got done playing around a golf. I walked downstairs and reading the book of Daniel, the spirit of God said, I want you to get your resources in the hands of every pastor and leader in the world. Well, Hmm. it seemed like an impossibility, but now we just have been working with a excellent app producing company in Dallas, Texas. They've done L'Oreal, Lush. They've done Royal Caribbean. They have come up with the most amazing app to now pastors. I don't care if they're in mud huts, you know, 5 million people carry these things, right? Everybody's got a cell phone. You right. Better. So what am I saying? 5 million, 5 billion people. 5 billion. And, yep. Yeah. And, and my international director has watched them in, you know, tents with smoke coming out. They're all huddled around a little iPhone or an Android. They've been in, in mud huts everywhere. And so now we honestly believe we can reach every pastor and leader in the world and every believer and disciple them. You know, our old model of um, missions, we would spend a couple hundred thousand dollars, we'd build a church, but then they're still dependent on us. If we yep. give them revelation knowledge, what happens is now they have the faith to believe God to build that church. Now they have the faith to sustain it. Whereas before it was almost like a glorified welfare program yep. in the sense that we kept mm-hmm. people dependent on us. I don't want people dependent on us. I want them to be introduced to God, get the revelation knowledge because Isaiah five thirteen says my people go into captivity for mm-hmm. a lack of knowledge. That's right. So that's our passion. So you, you're keeping them, giving them the ability then to stay plugged in with the resources that are available for you today. And when you hear yourself say those words, John, you know, I, I watched you get excited. I, I know that the viewers and listeners could see the inflection in your voice. When you hear the words that were spoken through your mouth and what God has accomplished, what does that do to you? Um, it, you know, it really, this may sound weird, but I almost feel disconnected. I, I, I almost feel like I'm on a ride on the back of a ninja and the Holy Spirit is driving this ninja, and I'm got my arms around his waist hanging on as my feet yeah. are dangling in the back. I honestly feel that way. I feel like this is his work. And but more than that, I feel like it's been an army. It's been a family that has been raised up. I mean, we have businessmen and businesswomen, we have pastors that have joined together our team members to be one united army to accomplish this goal. When Lisa and I were 30 miles from the border of Iran, we've put over a million resources into the hands of Iranian pastors and leaders. So I'm in an auditorium. No camera could be in there. Um, We had pastors in there from Afghanistan, Syria, Iran. Mm. And I looked at them and I said, 
you look at it as Lisa and I, and Lisa was standing next to me, I said, as the heroes, I said, that is ridiculous. I said, the real heroes are the businessmen, the businesswomen, the pastors that have given millions of dollars to research you. I'm telling you, those people start weeping. One of the pastors came up to me after that meeting because it was a massive meeting. There were 3,500 pastors and leaders from all mm. over the Middle East, but we put them in a separate auditorium just to be able to minister to them. But a pastor from Iran came up and said, how can people give millions of dollars to us when they've never even met us? Mm. And I, I looked at that pastor and I said, because they really love you. Yeah. And he started weeping. He was like, they really care for me, yet they've never met me. And so they're my heroes, the businessmen, the mm. businesswomen, the pastors that have just joined together and really caught the vision of this. Yeah. And so it's a beautiful thing. I think it's awesome, you know, and my wife and I, Dr. Michelle, as you know, have been privileged to be a part of that, this very unique world-changing vision, and it is, uh, what a thrill that is to know when you you are able to sow a seed into a ministry that you see this seed grow, and you may never know the end result, and that's the beauty of it, isn't it? You may never know, and yeah. and you know, I want to kind of you know, which part, by the way, too, but go ahead. Well, and, and we, um, you know, we with Dr. Michelle and I's call in this journey, as you know, we are designed in our anointing to really uh, teach people God's heart regarding this idea of wellness and this idea of optimal health. And you and I have spoke about this before. I want to hear John and maybe even Lisa, your family's view on the status of really the world's health system right now, starting with America. Well, I think America is in real bad shape as far as health wise. And it's because we eat stuff called food that isn't food at all. Yeah. And you go to the average grocery store and pretty much almost probably, and I know preachers are famous for this, right? But I would be safe to say 80% of it is not good for you. No. Um, so, and, and I'm talking about the average grocery store. So with me, I was raised on junk food. Um, mm -hmm. my, favorite, my favorite meal, beyond a shadow of a doubt, was a Big Mac fries and, 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 uh, and Coke. <laughs> And if you put a piece of fish in front of me with a wild field green salad and a Big Mac, fries and Coke, not even a question. I am on that Big Mac like, right? And um, I remember I had gotten saved in my fraternity. I, I played uh, varsity tennis at Purdue University mm -hmm. and one of my fraternity brothers led me to the Lord. So I'm a new Christian, I'm on fire. I've never heard of health food. I've never heard of Dr. Marker or Dr. <laughs> Mattel. I've never heard of Jordan Rubin. I've never heard of Dr. Axe. Never in my life did I even know such a thing existed. I'm walking into my fraternity kitchen. I'm looking for some cookies. And the Holy Spirit, I, I hear him speak to me like I'm speaking to you right now. I'll never forget this. And I heard this. Your body is my temple. Take care mm. of it. So now, you know, when God speaks, then thoughts come bubbling up, right? So yep. the first thought that came up to me was this. If I had a Ferrari... Would I put dirty gas and recycled oil in it? Okay, what, well, let, let's go down that road. Let's say I do. What will happen? Will, will the car still run? Yes, it will still run. It will not run at its peak performance. Mm -hmm. What else will happen? I will shorten the life of that car. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> now let's take this one step further. Then the thought comes to me, your body is my temple. 
So now this Ferrari isn't my Ferrari, Mark. It's your Ferrari. And I'm putting dirty gas and recycled oil in that Ferrari that belongs to you. That's right. I am going to have to give an account to you. I am going to have to see the look on your face when I give an account of the fact of why I shortened the life of your car. Yeah. And you can get a new Ferrari, but you can't get a new one of these. Mm. And so, Mark, I want to say that I immediately became like Dr. Mark with, you know, but it wasn't true. And I actually encourage people to follow Mm. the path I took. You don't turn a barge on a dime. And I, and I thought, okay, what do I do to start? Yeah. So I started educating myself and I found the first thing that went was sodas. Like I yeah. would drink Coca-Cola like crazy. When I found out what was in Coca-Cola, I have not drank a Coca-Cola probably since 1983. And so, I mean, all sodas, gone, just mm. completely gone. And what I discovered, Mark, is that I had to force myself to eat this good food. So I started learning that, hey, you know, live caught fish, you know, a green salad, you know, on and on, extra virgin olive oil. I started learning all these things, right? So I started eating healthy and I discovered something amazing. Hmm. I found that my taste changed. Yes. So. I say, I have a statement that I make all the time. You will hunger for what you feed on. So when it first all started, the Big Mac fries and Coke would have been the meal of choice. So for about two years, I'm eating healthy and I'm watching my friends eat their Big Macs and I'm drooling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish so much I could eat that, right? But I realize what I'm doing. So out of just discipline, mm-hmm. I just keep eating healthy. But I didn't realize that my whole taste would change. Yeah, now, Mark, I have had people, and this happened this year. They're eating a donut, right? And they go, oh, come on. You really, like, there's a box of Krispy Kremes, right? Or something like that. You really want this. And I look at them and I go, I have absolutely no appetite nope. for that at all. And they go, come on, if, if I give you $1,000, will you eat one of those donuts? And I said, no. And they're like, come on, really? And I said, okay, wait a minute. Why do I want to put something in this body that's going to shorten its life in exchange for $1,000? That's like being a bad steward. And they're like, that's oh, right. come on, that's ridiculous. And I said, no, it's not. Get your checkbook out, offer me 1000 and I won't take it. They said, okay, suppose we give you $10,000 to Messenger International. I said, I won't do it. I said, because God doesn't have to have me compromise what I'm stewarding to get $10,000 for Messenger. I'm not doing it. I have no appetite for it. So most Americans, Mark, what they do is their eating is driven by taste. Yes. And if they've got any kind of knowledge, they hope for the benefit of nutrition. You have to flip this to where the number one thing I just ate before I got on with you, my a little bowl of lentil pasta with grilled chicken with no hormone steroids or anything in it. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, I don't eat that for taste, although to me it was delicious when I put virgin olive oil on it. But 
I don't eat that for taste. My number one reason for putting something in this mouth is nutrition. Mm-hmm. And if the benefit of taste is on top of it, then that's all the better. So you have to flip that order. I love that because, you know, and, and this is, of course, for those of you who know, where we talked about questions before, and I'm going to kind of twist one in here. You can comment or not. But obviously, we're talking about a potential conversation that mirrors that conversation in Genesis chapter three, where the devil said in paraphrase, come on, John, God doesn't expect to eat just those lentil pasta and chicken, does he? Have a bite. I'll give you anything. You're going to feel better. It's unfortunate that that same strategy that worked with the fall of man is still employed today, causing this huge decay in the status of this health. Uh, You want to comment on that? Mark, I'm 61 years old. I feel like I'm 35. Yeah. And I have not taken any testosterone supplements. I've not taken anything. I just take regular supplements, right? Mm -hmm. But I have the energy of a 35-year-old, and some of my team members are, I mean, blown away by how much energy I have, right? Now, does anything taste better than that? You know, I have a friend who says nothing tastes better than thin. I mean, here I am 65. My waist is still 31. I go buy 31 pants. Um, Do I I eat a lot? Yeah, I eat a lot, but I eat right. And, you know, so, hey, I... I just feel that a lot of people look for the short-term gain and forsake the long-term benefit. Yeah, I agree with that totally. And, and John, it's interesting because as you and I have talked many times, this is, a, um, this is an area that is not, well, not for the most part, the vast most part, even discussed uh, in the church. Uh, and it's, it's kind of sad. So what role does the church play in regard to this type of teaching that you're talking about? Shouldn't, and this is a two-part question, shouldn't health or walking and healing be a very normal part of the believer's life? Well, it's, it's called stewardship. So I am a steward of what belongs to someone else. This doesn't belong to me. This belongs mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit, right? And if you look at Proverbs, the glutton, and the, and the drunkard are put in the very same statement, and they both have the very same end. And what's amazing to me is so many in the church have preached so strong against drunkenness, and drunkenness is a sin, okay? Yep. But why do they not speak just as strongly against gluttony? And gluttony is when my tastes rule me. Yes, So if I am driven by, I've got to have my sweet tea. I mean, let's talk about sweet tea (laughs) because a lot of you people in the South, let's just talk about that. In a one gallon of sweet tea is one entire cup of granulated refined sugar. Now that has the addictive properties as, as uh, cocaine. Yes, exactly. So what are we doing? We give our kids sweet tea So now we create an addiction, but that kid doesn't know what I'm addicted to. And that kid will keep looking for anything that has sugar in it. That's why that that child will not eat hemp seeds in the morning for hemp seeds and chia seeds and uh, hemp hearts. I should say hemp hearts and flax seeds for cereal. That child's got to have Captain Crunch. Why does that child have to have Captain Crunch? Because that child's an addict. 
Yeah. Because I've been feeding that child all that refined sugar. Now that child, that child's body will not be satisfied until I get Frosted Flakes, Captain Crunch, Fruit Loops. I'm just not going to be satisfied. So we immediately make our children addicts. And that, and yet we condemn someone that had two glasses of wine. Yes. Okay. And we, we are, it's just like, it's ludicrous. And I'm sorry, I'm passionate. You can tell. Okay. And, and, and this is why I love, love Mark and Michelle so much because we're all very passionate about what we do. We're missional yeah. people, but I love people, Mark. And I hate seeing people. Yeah. Drive them. You know, you know, one of the top surgeons in the state of Oklahoma, you know what he told me years ago? This was years ago. He said 75% of the people in the hospitals, he said, John shouldn't be there. That's he right. Said, you know why they're there? Their diet and stress. Yep. It's interesting, you know, you mentioned that, and this is real statistics, and I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, I did not tell John what to say, so this is him talking, he's saying what is on our heart, but this is real statistics. America leads the world in hospitalizations for preventable diseases. America spends more per person on this fictitious health care at $10,000 per person per year than anybody in the world. America is ranked 34th from the industrialized nation in health, and we spend an average of $5,000 per night in hospitals. Those statistics right there are real, and I can confirm what you just said, that the addictive property of sugars is equated to that of cocaine and the addictive products of the genetic modified uh, wheat kernel and even some of the casein proteins is equivalent to that of opioids. So you're speaking an area that's very relevant and very real. And let me ask you this. How come would you say, why aren't people listening? Because as you know, you know me, we kind of beat our heads against the wall and people come to us from all around the world to see us. But yet it's still a message that's relevant or most, most often disregarded and shoved away. Why is that? An addict doesn't want to hear this. And most Americans are food addicts. Yep. So in other words, don't touch my food. You took away my alcohol. You took away my illicit sex. Don't touch my food. Because an addict has to have a, an out, a, 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 what, what am I looking for? A release. Uh, a, That's a, right. Right? So we, we take away because we preach, you know, stay away from premarital sex, stay away from adultery, stay away from alcohol, drunkenness, right? So now all of a sudden, so now, <laughs> now all of a sudden, you're messing with the only thing I got left. Yeah. I got my Netflix and I got my food <laughs> and my comfort food, especially. And, and I'm telling you, Lisa and I will not eat any wheat or any kind of grain from the United States. Yep. If I eat a grain, it has to be imported from Italy. Why? Yep. It is against the law in Italy to genetically modify a grain. So that is all our celiac, all our Crohn's, all this stuff that's going on. It's all because we genetically modify the wheat. And this is why guys got big bellies. I mean, I'm 61 and I still, I feel like I got a pretty thin belly. I'm doing pretty good, right? Yeah. And if you look at our great, great, great grandparents, they didn't have big bellies. Why? They didn't have genetically modified grains. So what are we doing? We are like, 
we're, we're walking down a suicide path, a slow suicide path, yep. and we don't want to hear what anybody has to say because I'm an addict. And if I really get honest, I'm an addict and, and I don't have the fruit of the spirit called discipline. I know, Mark, you, I, I'm so sorry. You're probably going to lose half your listeners right now. No, this is perfect. I want you to go here because look, John, I have a passion. I've watched Christian leaders that I love and respect that kill themselves one bowl, one plate, one fork, one spoon at a time. And frankly, it grieves me. It, it makes me sad. I have shed tears. And I really want them to hear it from someone else besides me. You know, leaders need this. You're talking to many people who are leaders here. Many pastors get this. This is shared on a lot of pastoral networks. What are you going to tell them? I've had pastors literally in tears talking about this. Um, one pastor, he pastors a massive church up in the Northeast. And he took me to dinner and he, he had a notebook in front of him. And I mean, this is a great guy. And he, and he said, John, just please talk to me about my food. And I said, do you really want to hear about it? Mm-hmm. For one hour, he took notes. And Good. he said, John, I, this so resonates with me. So, Mark, I'm not, I'm not quiet about it and because I feel like I, you, you touch the masses. That's why, you know, I get asked to do a lot of podcasts. But when Dr. Mich- Mark and Michelle came up, I was like, Gabrielle, I'm doing that one. First of all, because you're my friend, but secondly, because I believe in your mission and yeah. I don't, I don't get to broadcast this as broadly as you do. Um, you know, cause my calling is to preach on, on, on other things. Yeah. Although I'll jump on any opportunity I can to share this because I, I've had too many friends that are powerfully used by God yeah. and they passed early and I'm heartbroken over it because they didn't educate themselves. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, when Paul walked this earth, they didn't have genetically modified foods. They didn't have antibiotics and steroids and all these preservatives that were pumped into food, right? So the Bible doesn't have to talk about that specifically, right? I'm convinced if Paul was writing the epistles today, he would have included, like when he talked about don't be drunk on wine, whereas in excess, he would have said, hey, stay away from foods that are going to destroy the temple. Of the Holy absolutely. Spirit. No question. I, I'm firmly convinced he would have. But they didn't have that back then. You sat down. Everything was fresh. Everything yep. was was good for you. And so, you know, diseases happen back then because they weren't preventable, like you just said. They were demonic. They were they were because of something that maybe hereditary or something. Yes. But most of our people are in hospitals today because they're putting the wrong thing in their mouth and they're allowing stress to dominate their life. So just yeah. as, and, and I'm just as passionate about releasing stress. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. Mm-hmm. And there are times that I literally have to take my pen and write on the paper. Okay, God, you said be, be anxious for nothing. I am right now giving this care. And if everything falls apart, it's not my fault because I gave the care to you. It's not my care anymore. And if this falls apart, it was because you let it fall apart. And, and then I go to bed and I go, I go in peace. I go sleep. Yeah. And yet there are people that they, they, they don't want to let go of stress. Uh-uh. It's almost like it feeds them. And yeah. The- there's no question. Stress is addicting because chaos is addicting. Stress does drive dopamine the same way those huh. false or fake foods do. That's a biochemical response. So, you know, he, here's the, the, the question, you know, you talked about people don't want to hear it. 
it is clear that in America, you could ask probably 99.9% of people. I know it's a broad generality. Hey, is the Big Mac and French fries and Coke good for you? And they're going to say, well, no. So it's not a matter of, of ignorance anymore. It's a matter of a strong word, rebellion. Can you comment on that? I had a pastor look at me. Pastor's a mega church, mega church. And we were on the tee box. And before he hit his drive, he said, Bevere? He's, he's a pretty funny guy. I love the guy dearly. I love him passionately. He goes, Bevere, I may die three years younger than you, but I'm going to have a smile on my face in the mm-hmm. coffin. And Mark, I just wanted to cry because yeah, I realized. So sad. That hurts right now. That there was no reaching him. I realized mm-hmm. that because of his Southern upbringing. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it, it, you know, you, all you can do it's just hope that those who have ears to hear will listen yeah. and that they won't hear you and my voice, that they'll listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I, I speak with such strong conviction because it began with the Spirit of God telling me something. Like I said, I'd never heard of Mark Sherwood. I'd never heard of Michelle. I'd never heard any health food expert in my, didn't even know it existed. I thought Velveeta cheese was the staple of life. I thought I thought that, you know, American cheese, Wonder Bread, man, that's the staple of life. Yeah. You know, ham with mayonnaise on it cooked in the microwave. That's that's what we had. Yeah. And, you know, my mom and dad didn't know. We didn't know. We So now that I know, I want to shout it from that. I, I want to shout it from the rooftops. Well, John, we need it, too, because I think you'd agree that even when Jesus walked the earth, the greatest testimonial which communicated the gospel was a transformed life, both spiritually and physically. So these men and women who were radically changed were free from sickness and disease that we're talking about. And they were not bound up with a bunch of medications managing processes. I mean, it's it's almost a farcical, ridiculous idea that we have today that we're using medication to bring about healing because that can't happen. So, you know, it's grievous. And, I, and I'm saddened to hear even these stories because I feel the same way. And it's, it's refreshing to hear someone else, you know, that, again, heard the same message in maybe a different way from the same God with the same result. He wanted to see people changed and walk around healthy. And John, I think today, and I I want your thoughts on this, shouldn't the church as a whole, shouldn't the common denominator of the church be represented by people walking around that look different, act different, were different, and are walking around healed? Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes. We are to be people that display godliness in our personality, in our character, uh, we're people of integrity. Yep. We're people that are faithful. Um, and then we are to, to show forth what God has done in our life in all areas, spirit, soul, yep. and body. I believe we should be the best in our fields. Yep. You look at Daniel. He's not even a born-again man, but yet he's 10 times smarter, wiser than the men that were trained by the finest scientists and, and leaders in the world, yet he yep. was 10 times smarter. How much more... You know, if John the Baptist was was the if the least in the kingdom was greater than John and John was Jesus said John was greater than Daniel. I mean, how far short of our calling are we falling? And so the world just looks at us as like 
we're a subculture. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So we should stand out, not be a subculture. And a subculture is is a group of people that's in the overall culture, but they have identifying factors. So we've got yeah. our music, we've got our t-shirts, we got our books, we got our church buildings, but we still walk the same as the rest of the world walks in what we eat and and, and many other areas. Yeah. You know? And we should be set apart people that have been transformed. And Mark, I I I believe with all my heart, you know, Jesus would go to the outcast. He would go to the what society said was the scum of the earth. And that was yeah. the starting place, right? And and I would say that Jesus would challenge a lot of churches with his starting point, right? Having yes, harlots sir. and harlots and tax collectors who were the mafia. But then his finish point was way beyond. Like we got churches today, their starting points here and their finish points here, right? Yeah, we got right. The churches that won't, won't wouldn't allow a prostitute to come mm. anywhere near and their finish points here. But, you know, if you look at Jesus, it was from here to here because he goes, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Hello. I mean, I'm going from hanging around with harlots to be perfect as your father is perfect, which he was trying to show there is a tension that is created from going that, that, from that new birth as a prostitute to becoming a Mary Magdalene, who is a powerhouse for the kingdom. Yes, sir. And that's transformed character, but it can happen. That's the power of the gospel. And we talk so much about Jesus instead of talking about Christ within us. Mm. He's the one that changes me. I could never become like this. I was a miserable failure. Yeah. I had no self-discipline. People say all the time, John Bevere is one of the most disciplined people I know. That's not something that I developed. That's something that Christ in me, yes. I, I sought after and went, God, I need to change. I want people to see Jesus when they see me. So this is why you'll have churches go to the extreme. Yeah. Don't you dare touch a drop of alcohol. I'll challenge that. Yeah. Red wine, six ounces of red wine is one of the is a very healthy thing you could put in your body. Yes, it is. You know very the thing is, I'm not having a second glass. That's it. Because once you go to 12 ounces, now you start hurting your liver. But before that, you're getting so many antioxidants that you're not going to get in other places. And I know there are some people probably freaking out what no. I'm saying right now. But you know what? I had a pastor in, in, in the book I wrote on holiness. And he said to me, John, you got to say all alcohol, all wine, everything is bad. Don't take a sip. I said, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says an elder is not to be given to much wine. I said, what's a greater testimony that I can sit down with somebody and then watch me drink six ounces and not have another glass yep. or, or me go, I can't have it. Uh, I'm a Christian. That's the thing. I know I'm probably really, really, um, really <laughs> raising some eyebrows right now. But anyway, yeah, I mean, Mark, I, 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 I know that I could never do that. I could never sit down and have six ounces of red wine and stop if it wasn't for Christ in me. Yeah, because and I think you said something very interesting because the, the, a lot of people don't know this. The very first time I observed you, and I've never told you this, I was I was sitting kind of across from you at an event. You were speaking at it, and we were sitting at a table, and I watched you politely turn down garbage. I watched <laughs> you do that with food. I watched you do that, and and I watched people around you 
question you on it. And you were very polite and said, no, thank you. You weren't rude. You just stood your ground. And, and that at that moment in time, I saw in you a character of God's presence that should be normal in every believer, that character being the fruit of self-discipline. And I watched and that's really, I, I honor what you're saying and I appreciate it because folks, I'm telling you, I watched this man do this. So his passion is true. It's real. It's not hypocritical. I've observed you do this. So this is not you doing this for this podcast. For me, you believe this. And John, you've got a lot of things going in your life right now. You know, we talk about this, uh, you know, tell somebody kind of as we're winding up here, what are you working on next? What's your next big project? I know, but I want them to know. So it's a new book that's coming out November 17th and I've already written it. Um, I've already done the coursework for it. I'm going to go to focus on the family next month and do the reading of the book, but the title of the book is called X (laughs) and um, it's called multiply your God given potential. Mm. This is actually advanced readers copy. And this book is all about the fact that anything God puts in our life, he expects us to multiply, give it back to him multiplied. Uh, Parable of the Talents, the one guy that two to four, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. The only thing that was mentioned that Jesus mentioned is he multiplied. So my gift is writing and speaking, leading. I got. I want to return that back to God multiplied. And the only way you can do that is through faith. I'm really believing this is going to stir people up because I wrote this book with people in the marketplace and in, in my heart healthcare, education. This was a book that I wasn't thinking about just pastors. I was thinking about people in all walks of life. And I opened up the message sharing this story uh, that one of our, one of our financial partners, you know, I, I like to play golf. People know it. So I have gotten to play some of the best golf courses in the world. Well, he took me to Riviera where the LA open was played And, you know, we played, I had a really good round. I shot 70. I was four, I was three over after four holes and then went five under from there on out. Wow. I remember, you know, we're driving back to the hotel and he got real vulnerable with me. And he said, you know, John, I'm I'm turning 50. He said, I've busted my butt to build my business up to $9 million. And he said, my wife's cared for for life. My children are cared for. He said, why should I spend the decade of the 50s building my businesses to 35 million. And I said, hmm. And I, I, I looked inside and I said, Holy Spirit, what do I say to him? And God gave me the answer. I said, hey, Scott, let me, let, let me say this to you. Suppose I say, now I've written 22 books now, but this was like six or seven years ago. Suppose I say to you, I've written 17 books. They're translated in 80 languages at that time. I said, I've gotten on planes. I've stood on major platforms all over the world. I fought jet lag. I have eaten crazy, crazy, weird culture foods. <laughs> I slept in hotel rooms where the light had to stay on because, and I had to be fully dressed because of what crawled in that room that night. Um, I, I've done this now. My wife's cared for them. My children are cared for. Why should I write any more books? Why should I get on another plane? And, this is a true story. He laughed and he turned to me, looks away from the road and he goes, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes when you face Jesus. I said, Scott, you just said the exact same thing. Wow. And then the, the smirk went off his face and, and he looks at me and he goes, what do you mean? I said, Scott, every one of us are given gifts. Yeah. I said, mine's writing and speaking. It's obvious to you. I said, your gifts is reaching people in the marketplace, making money and giving into the kingdom. Yeah. 
I said, I've connected the dots. You haven't. Hmm. And I said, until you do, you're not going to have a passion to excel in your gifts. Mm. You're going to think about retiring. And I remember that it went pretty quiet. Six months later, I was on the phone with him. He called me. I said, hey, man, how you doing? He goes, you want the honest truth? I said, sure. He said, I've been haunted, John, in a good way by the words you spoke to me six months ago. Mm. And I said, what are you doing about it, Scott? He said, I'm busting my butt to build my businesses to 35 million so I can give more to the kingdom. Yeah. And, you know, Mark, one of, you, I, I'm pretty passionate. Here's another thing that really grieves my heart beside the way people eat. Yeah. And that is when you say to somebody, he has a call on his life or she has a call on her life. You know where people go? They go pastor, children's pastor, worship leader, missionary. No. There's a calling on your life every bit as much as there's a calling on my life. There's a calling on that school teacher every bit as much as what's on my life. And in fact, the Bible says the, the gifts that are not noticeable are more valuable than the gifts that are seen. I have a seen gift. So that means that Scott, his business, what he was doing is an unseen gift. God said more honor should be put on that. Mm, that's a good word right there, man. So this book will change people's mentality to understand what it means to disciple the nations. Jesus didn't say disciple the people of the nations. He said disciple the nations. Mm-hmm. And the nation is a collective group of people with a common, a common denominator. So it, yes, it's Cambodia, it's Myanmar, it's China, but it's also pilots. It's also bodybuilders. It's also school teachers. Jesus is saying, make disciples of those systems, those nations. We should be the ones that are shining. So that's what this book is all about. And I'm so excited about its launch in November 17th. Well, I'm pumped about it. I'm going to get my copy and I'm going to make sure that the people here that are around us, I'm going to make sure you have access to it here as well. So we want people to have this because as we know, we want our health, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, all to be multiplied accordingly so that God can bless multiple people, multiple nations through our obedience. John, I mean, in final remarks, um, we've covered a lot of ground and it's been just amazing. You've kind of let it loose and I really appreciate that. I know that people do. People out here listening right now, what are some final words you'd say to them in the area of encouragement? I think the final words I would say is take what we have talked about today on, the, on this, this time together. And obviously I dominated it and I'm so sorry, but take what we've said, take what we've said and honestly take it to prayer. And I would ask you to be very honest as you look at the scripture, as you see the fact that you are a steward of your body, which means a steward can do whatever he wants. You can be an unjust steward or a just steward. Mm-hmm. You're not micromanaged by the by God. That's right. The word is not micromanaged. And I'd say, take the words that we've spoken and weigh them out. And if it resonates, which I believe those of you who really have a heart to serve God, it will resonate. Then just start. And you remember the statement that I made. You don't turn a barge on a dime. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Don't try to become a Mark Sherwood by tomorrow because you'll burn out. So let's, let's start, start turning the ship, start educating yourself, listening to Mark and Dr. Mark, Dr. Michelle, listening to Dr. Axe, Dr. Axe, A-X-E, great friend, Jordan Rubin, great friend. These are men that have been tested. Jordan Rubin should have died twice, but because of food and exercise and doing the right things, he is alive still today. And take their words to heart, realize that God has gifted them, and start turning the barge. Mm. And eventually, you're going to become a fanatic, probably like me, and people will make fun of you. <laughs> they make fun of me like crazy, and I don't care. Because yeah. I don't want Jesus looking at me saying, John, I had five more years for you. Why are you here now? I wow. just don't want that. There, there, can you, you know how many people I could affect in five years? Oh, my gosh. By the grace of God. And I, I don't want that said. I don't want that said. I don't want to go through all the pain I've gone through and get the wisdom that I've got with all this gray hair, right? And not be able to share it with people because I didn't take care of my body. So that's what I would say to everybody listening. John, I really want to thank you. Um, your words have uh, been very impacting, very strong, very relevant, uh, very passionate. And I appreciate that. I know our listeners are really going to be blessed by that. And, um I just want to thank you for listening, as I always do, to Healthcare's Missing Link. And one thing I ask you to do always is subscribe so you can find out what episodes are coming next. And don't let these hidden things affect your health and bog you down. We'll look forward to seeing you next week on Healthcare's Missing Link. Bye-bye.